places. Everyone. We're now broadcasting. Roll the tape in. Three, two. A new audio drama. Appaloosa Radio is where stories come alive. Appaloosa Radio is pleased to introduce Nell Trustman and her collection of broken tree tales. Nell Trustman was a prolific, western author who journeyed over 300,000 bumpy miles during the early 1950s to gather stories about the forgotten ghost towns of the Old West. She published many of her stories in her own magazine, The Broken Tree Tales. She pushed her red 1947 Mercury, which she named Old Bess, through washed-out gullies, up sand hills, and along long-neglected wagon trails. Her only companion in her travels was her collie dog Prospector. Nell camped under the stars when the weather permitted. Or slept in Old Bess when it rained or snowed. She recorded her stories wherever she happened to be on her dependable portable royal typewriter. <laughs> Appaloosa Radio offers. Call her Amanda. A Nell Trustman short story. Taken from her magazine Broken Tree Tales. But, now that I am no longer wandering the West looking for forgotten ghost towns, my students ask me the most interesting questions. A very bright young woman in one of my classes asked me why I had not written more stories about the women of the West's boom towns. The truth is that for most of the boom towns, there really were no women. Many of the boom towns were in impossible locations, up steep mountainsides, squeezed into tight river canyons, buried in deep, forested wilderness with no roads or other access. Miners went to where the gold was, and that meant living beyond the pale of human habitation. If a strike proved big enough and if it lasted long enough, the roads would come and with the roads would come the basic rudiments of human civilization. Houses with actual roofs, stores with merchandise, schools for children to attend, churches for Sunday services. Only then would wives and sweethearts feel sufficiently comfortable to craft their domestic enclaves. To be sure, there were some women who relished the rough, hard times, carrying their own share of the non-ending, back-breaking work. Calamity Jane comes to mind. She was a teamster equal to any of her male colleagues. However, for most women, living in a timber lean-to with an assortment of branches as a roof and a mud floor was not to their liking. Then, of course, the men who wandered into the most godforsaken places searching for a flash of gold were not themselves individuals conducive to a settled life with a wife and children. They went where no one else had been. They went there because the payable strikes in the more settled places had already been taken by someone else. Often large mining conglomerates with stockholders in London or New York had bought up all the promising claims. A prospector without such resources was compelled to go to the most distant hinterlands to seek their fortunes. A man, or a man with a partner or two, 
would carry their necessary belongings on their backs, moving from place to place, seeking their own El Dorado. It was a pitiful existence, one that was reserved for the most desperate of men. As I said, in most western mining towns, there were no women. My friend, and fellow ghost town adventurer, Bertrand Berry told me a story that I don't fully believe but I think still emphasizes my point. Bert, as I always call him, told me the story of the very first, and only, woman in Bonanza, Idaho. My friend called her Amanda and said that she had bright, flame-red hair. Now, I have been to Bonanza, Idaho. It is on the Yankee Fork of the Salmon River, in the Sawtooth Mountains. Today, there is a state highway, but even with that highway, getting to Bonanza in the winter can be very treacherous. The town was at nearly 7,000 feet and in a tight canyon with a fast-moving river. Back in 1873, when the tale that Bird shared is supposed to have taken place, Bonanza was a very rough collection of lean-tos with a couple of stacked log cabins. In fact, initially the place did not even have a saw to cut its logs. A miner had to hike 50 miles down the mountain to buy one. With the new saw and lots of enthusiasm, the miners built their very first permanent building, a saloon. To celebrate its opening, Bert said, the miners decided to hold a dance. However, since there were no women, some of the miners put red handkerchiefs over their heads, as if they were bonnets, and pretended they were the women. I really don't believe Bert's version of the incident. I believe that they just groused, complained, and drank rot gut. To my mind, if there were no women, there would probably be no dancing. Still in a saloon on a winter's night, I can envision considerable nostalgia for a time and a place where women were available. Bert added to his story. He said that one night, not too long after the saloon had been completed, a stranger arrived in town. What made this stranger unique was that he had a wife, so he said, with him, a red-headed woman named Amanda. The stranger played poker while his, so-called, wife drank whiskey at the bar. Amanda was good at drinking straight shots. After 10 or so, she began singing. The men in the saloon had not heard singing, since, well, sometime way back when. While his, so-called, wife drank at the bar, the stranger played poker, but he did so poorly. Finally, he was out of cash. He announced that he would play one more hand. One hand. All his previous losses against his wife, Amanda. He said that he had bought her from a madam in Denver. She had cost him $50. Surely that was a fair wager. The men at the poker table agreed. One hand. His previous losses against Amanda. According to my friend's story, the stranger lost again. A miner named Paulson won the pot. After his victory, Paulson walked across the room to collect his new wife. 
However, Amanda was now so drunk that she had passed out. Passed out right on the saloon's floor. Powelson stooped down and picked up Amanda, throwing her over his shoulders like a sack of flour. Then, he carried her back to his cabin. Now, in Bert's telling, Jacobs, another miner, believed that Paulson owed him a large debt for a claim that Jacobs had sold to Paulson. Knowing that Paulson now had a wife, Amanda, Jacobs decided it was time to collect on the debt that was owed to him. Jacobs waited until he knew that Paulson was asleep, and then burst into Paulson's cabin and snatched up the red-headed Amanda. Jacobs carried Amanda outside and then dumped her into his miner's wheelbarrow, which he skillfully maneuvered across a tiny wooden bridge to his own cabin. While he was doing this, Paulson woke up, grabbed his shotgun, and began firing buckshot at Jacobs and his wheelbarrow. At his own cabin, Jacobs grabbed his own shotgun and began returning fire. Of course, my friend Bert added lots of colorful details to make the tale more engaging. I'll skip those and just relate the basic facts. Anyway, while the two miners were exchanging shots, Amanda crawled out of the wheelbarrow and made her way to a third miner's cabin. That miner rushed her inside and then got down his Henry repeating rifle and stood on his porch facing off both Jacobs and Paulson. According to my friend Bert, eventually things settled down. All parties agreed that for the sake of civil peace, it was best to just let Amanda leave. A group of men walked with her down the mountain to the next large town. My friend, Bert said he followed up on the story. He found that Amanda died in 1908 in the infirmary on the Chalice County Poor Farm. She was not yet 50. Yet not yet 50. Used up and discarded like many of the old boom towns themselves. Once the strike disappears, so does the town. The town of Bonanza fared much better than Amanda. At its height in the mid-1880s it had 600 citizens. It became a friendly community with three-lined streets, a municipal water system, and its own volunteer fire department. Dentist, a tinsmith, and the first newspaper in central Idaho. It was sedate and refined. It had a croquet ground, a baseball field, and a racetrack. Unfortunately, a fire devastated much of the town. Many of its citizens relocated to the growing town of Custer, some four miles away. By 1910, all of Bonanza's mines had closed, and the very last of its buildings were moved to Custer. Palooza Springs Audio Theatre is a creative collaboration whose purpose is to write, produce, and share original story content through webcast radio experiences.